Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Alrighty, everybody. We are joined right now by the one and only Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. You can follow him on Twitter at Scoop B. What's up, my man? How you doing? I'm good. Just working hard, taking a little writing break to catch up with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We love having guests on our show, especially guests that are going to inform us and you know give us some insight on the NBA. So first things first, I, I, I got to say I called you out on Twitter a little bit when you put out your Carmelo Anthony is a better offensive player than LeBron James and before we came on, you said that you felt like it was taken out of context. So would you like to kind of explain your your, your thought on all this? Yeah, I think that Carmelo Anthony um, has a better arsenal of moves uh, throughout his career. Um, and what I should have said, it was a slow weekend. I was actually in a meeting with Puma, and I was actually having a conversation with my rep, and we were talking about it. And um, what I should have said was he was a better scorer. Uh, throughout his career, uh, his volume of scoring, having a better jumper, a uh, wet jumper. If, I, if the game was on the line in their prime, uh, I would give the ball to Carmelo uh, to hit a last second shot. And, and um, because offense, you, you, you include passing and, and assists. And obviously LeBron is a better passer uh, in, in that concept. So I should have said scorer. I don't um, I don't regret tweeting it because at least it sparked a conversation at the end of the day. <laughs> Um, I think Carmelo Anthony should be on one uh, of 30 NBA teams. Uh, you guys and, and your Pacers being the local team, but uh, I, I think it's a travesty that he's not. So um, even though the word scorer wasn't used, um, I think to go from starting on an NBA team two years ago or three seasons ago to being treated worse than the than the, than chopped liver um, is a testament to just um, how far – uh, we've gone, and, and I think that Melo should get more credit than, he, than, than he's getting. And um, if it sparks some attention for people to be talking about Carmelo, cool. Um, but at the same time, scorer should have probably been the word that I use rather than offensive because, like I said, you calculate passing uh, and offensive as an offensive option to pass it to your teammate. And, you know, I didn't see your tweet, but I'm, I'm sure you, like many other people, um, <laughs> had something to say about it. And, you know, rightly so. It's good to have a conversation going during a long Labor Day weekend. 
Scoop, you don't need to apologize about anything. I saw Twitter coming at you, and Melo was a walking bucket in his time, and I still think he has it. And he has an arsenal of moves, and I, I got to say, you know, I don't get enough support on the Melo train, but he's got to be on an NBA team. I personally think he's still good for 14 points per game, uh, just on a pretty good team. And do you think we're going to see it this year? Um, I do think so at some point. Um, I think that at the end of the day, um, it comes down to the right fit. I think that many people treat uh, Carmelo Anthony and his comments about starting um, as just a detriment. What do you expect somebody to say? I think that at the end of the day, a lot of people are treating, you know, Carmelo Anthony and that whole starting comment during the OKC uh, press conference when he went over to the Thunder. Um, They're treating him kind of like Allen Iverson uh, when he discussed, you know, his role and whether he should be starting in Detroit. And then seasons ago, Carmelo Anthony was putting up numbers. I mean, if you really look at it six seasons ago. Uh, he was close, he, you know, he was, if I'm not mistaken, was the scoring champion or was close to it and, you know, put up huge numbers. And I think that, you know, in an NBA where the goal is to put the ball in the bucket, um, Kobe Bryant was a ball hog, so was Allen Iverson. Why can't Carmelo Anthony go into a situation as a pure scorer on a Lakers organization or a, 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 a Brooklyn Nets organization that could use him after, you know, uh, Wilson Chandler's out for 25 games? So. Uh, I don't want to ramble, but I do think there are some places for, for Carmelo Anthony and where he could end up. And I don't disagree that Carmelo Anthony is talented enough to be on an NBA roster. I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said it depends on the fit and where he belongs. But, you know, back to your back to your point, I kind of agree that Carmelo obviously was a better offensive scorer than LeBron in his prime, but I think LeBron has become such a Great score. The the more he's been in the league, the more he's developed that three-point shot. But right now, would you say that LeBron is the better scorer right now compared to Carmelo Anthony? Or do you well, I, I haven't seen is? Carmelo. I've only seen Carmelo Anthony play in eight games. Um, and, and, what I'll tell you is, and what I'll tell you is this. Um, I think that that's, that situation in Oklahoma uh, was a train wreck because he wasn't even the second option. He was the third or fourth option. You know, yeah. Paul George was number two, and then Steven, Steven Adams arguably is number three. Um, I think that people are ready to write him off and, and, and basically call Carmelo old, um, and he's a year older than LeBron. You know, and LeBron tore his um ham or his hamstring in, in, on the Christmas Day game. So, I think to answer your question, I give I give LeBron the upper hand only because of the amount of tape that I've seen. But I tell you what. And that game when he played for the Houston Rockets against the Brooklyn Nets, I watched that game and he was very aggressive. Um, 28 points? Exactly. You know, and that was on a Chris Paul, um, Chris Paul, James Harden dominated Rockets team. And so I, I, I'll say to you that, you know, in eight games, I don't think you can really compare that to what did LeBron play like 50, 60 games this past season? It's probably close to it, like 55 or so. LeBron gets the upper hand because obviously he, he's playing more because he's he's still at the, at his peak. But um, I think any team that gets Carmelo Anthony is going to get a scorer. I think people, you know, my, my buddy, I'm a writer at Heavy.com, and uh, Sean Devaney, a fellow writer at Heavy.com, put out an article today uh, discussing um, that they're trying to change that narrative of, of the Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder as it relates to just – how things were played out. And I think that when you look at that situation in Oklahoma, like I said, he was a third or fourth option at best. And in that situation in Houston, he really made a mistake by signing with Houston, in my opinion, because um, 
you're playing with a, a coach at Mike D'Antoni who you didn't get along with in New York with the Knicks. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. I think Russell Westbrook's going to have that same problem in Houston. Not to that magnitude. Um, but, you know, he and, and in my opinion, he and D'Antoni are not going to get along at, at first. D'Antoni is going to get fired then. You think so? Well, I mean, didn't uh, they just clear house with who was all the assistant coaches? There you go. Yeah. Awesome. I knew one of them. One of his assistants had him on the Scoopy Radio podcast. And, um, you know, they're really tightening the reins. There were there was a fire sale in Houston uh, this offseason. And, you know, obviously you saw Chris Paul go and P.J. Tucker and, and, and James Harden were untouchables. But um, it's going to be interesting what happens in Houston this season. Also failed to come to terms on a contract agreement for D'Antoni. So it looks like I don't know if they have the faith of potentially four or five years. Probably wanted to give him a bit of a smaller deal. So a lot hinges on the Westbrook experience, in my opinion. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, let's shift things back to the Eastern Conference with the Indiana Pacers. Let's just talk about the offseason they had. Were you a fan or not a fan? Um. I like the Malcolm Brogdon signing, honestly. I mean, you kind of knew, uh, <clears throat> with all due respect, when he made the comments about Milwaukee and the diversity in Milwaukee, um, I kind of felt like that might have been the nail in the coffin. But he went to Indiana. I don't, I've don't. i never been to Indiana. I passed through it. Um, I've got to make that happen. But um, when I look at it from a basketball perspective – um, I, I, I like what you've added to the pot. You know, I, I've, I like Justin Holliday, a guy who I've had on the Scoopy Radio podcast. I like to see him healthy and really excel in year two. But I also like to see a healthy Victor Oluwadipo, um kind of come in and do what he needs to do. Because when I look at that Pacers team, um, they were able to accomplish a lot without, uh, you know, with him being out. Um, but really, they were like a, a deer in headlights when it came time to the playoffs. And I, and I really, really think that a healthy Pacers team can compete in a um, – Almost like a, uh, some may argue, a, a non-claimed Eastern Conference. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Pacers are able to do this season. But Malcolm Brogdon pretty much punctuated you guys' offseason. And I think Miles Turner um, is going to have a, a, a decent year, um, really and truly. I, I want to see him have Anthony Davis in Oklahoma-type uh, number. Or excuse me, Anthony Davis in, in New Orleans-type numbers um, this year. Um, I think he can do it, and I think that that team is going to be a, an interesting young team to watch. I think they're kind of going to replace the Charlotte Hornets because you lose Kimball Walker, and it's like that kind of excels the Pacers and as far as you know a, a spot in the Eastern Conference and what they can do competitively. Like, I, I, But I really do think that the Pacers could do something significant. Well, I really hope you're right in regards to an Anthony Davis-like year because that would be a pretty big jump for Miles Turner, and I'm all for it. But the Pacers having won 48 games each of the last two years, they recently lost the likes of Boyan Bogdanovich, Darren Collison, that young Corey Joseph, but they had potential upgrades in talent. All the guys that we mentioned before, the the Brogdons, the TJ Warrens, um, the Justin Holidays, Jeremy Lamb, do you think the upgrade in talent can be a step up from the chemistry that they might have lost. Yeah, and I, and I got the holidays confused. I already knew Aaron was on there, and Justin's on there too. So you got the brother brother thing going on, mm-hmm. um, kind of like Milwaukee with the signings of the blo- well re-signing of Brook and, and signing of Robin. But um, I do like what I see with the Pacers because I think that um, I think they're not exactly the Chicago Bulls. 
um, as far as this young talent on the team. Um, even though they lost Bonjanovic, like you said, they added pieces in Holiday. They they added pieces in TJ McConnell. I like the TJ McConnell signing. Um, it reminds me so much of um, when the Cavs didn't resign. Um, what's number eight? The, the point guard that ended up coming to Milwaukee. Yeah, it felt like a Delavadova signing in Milwaukee. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the thing with TJ is TJ can shoot. TJ's a scrappy guy, but TJ is a leader. I kind of feel like TJ for the for the for the Pacers is going to be what JJ Redick was for the Sixers. Okay, and I'm not just saying that because he's short and white. <laughs> no, I mean I agree with you. I think that there's obviously some potential there with McConnell just being that bench leader because they need some veterans, and they're so young now. Uh, they went from having a bunch of 30 year olds to I think the oldest guy on the team is 27 right now. So. Definitely yeah. have had a big change in the direction they're going, but I think that's a big nail. Now, me and Fachi talked about this in the first segment. Domas Sabonis, you know, playing next to Miles Turner is a big question mark, but the upcoming free agent class is not very big, and Sabonis is a part of that restricted free agent class. Do you think the Pacers should try to get an extension with him before the season starts so that way they don't get outbid when the offseason comes? I do. When I look at Sabonis, I think Mason Plumley in Brooklyn with the Nets. Okay. Um, to me, he's a guy that can stretch the floor. He's a guy that can rebound. I think that Turner and Sabonis kind of, maybe if you will, you said that they can't play on the floor together. Well, my experience being around the Nets, both in New Jersey and, in, and on the New York side in Brooklyn, is I remember guys like Keith Van Horn and, and Kenyon Martin kind of finding a way to coexist. I look at those two guys the same way. I think Turner defensively can help them if he latches on. I think that I think that offensively, Sabonis can spread the floor. He can he can get to the basket. He can rebound. And I think that bringing in a tall guy like a tall guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who can handle the ball at the assumedly at the point guard position, um, and and with um, McConnell coming in as a backup guy, reminds me so much of a, of a Sixers team two years ago. Um, when they were trying to figure it out, and a lot of people were doubting them. I think that you can sh- spread the floor, run the run the fast break. All those guys on that team look like they can run. You look at Jeremy Lamb, who I believe is on that roster as well. Um, he's a scorer. I really feel like they could be a blue-collar Philadelphia 76ers team um, and, and, and shoot, run run the break, um, and, and be effective. I like Justin Holliday. I see you see a lot of guys who were role players or who guys who were kind of fringe guys on that roster – um, that were that could really develop their identity in a new system, and I and I like it. So to answer your question about Sabonis, I like them. You know, they say something about you know second generation basketball players. They're something special, and I think that because that's the case, you got to be a little patient with them. Clay Thompson wasn't a, an NBA All Star overnight. Steph Curry, damn sure wasn't an NBA All Star overnight. But those guys are second-generation ballplayers. Heck, Kobe Bryant wasn't a, a, a Kobe Bryant as we know him now overnight. So by no means am I comparing Sabonis to any to, to, to Kobe, but I think you need to be a little patient with him. And, um, I mean, he has experience being the Lithuanian player of the year uh, a, couple, a year or so ago. So got to be patient. But, but I like the Pacers because, you know, there's experience, there's fringe, and there's also just guys trying to make a name for themselves. Man, it would have been so much cooler if Kobe would. I mean, Sabonis was being compared to Kobe, but, <laughs> you know, no, I know no one can make that comparison. But 
you know, the Pacers retooled. They brought in a, a team that's they're younger, they have more depth, and they're more athletic. But what do you think they're lacking in order to take that next step to truly contend with the best teams in the league? A name. A it's name. It's going to be tough. Um, it is going to be tough. Like, you, you look at just what the Pacers have lacked since the departure of Paul George, and I know that's still a sensitive spot for you guys. It is. Um, and, and my condolences. But when I look <laughs> at that situation with, you know, just the Pacers, they've had a hard time having a name. Like, I feel like, in my opinion, if I'm wrong, correct me, you haven't really seen any Pacer guy be a household name since Paul George. And before that, would you consider Ron Artest or Reggie Miller, uh, the big names that you guys have had? I think it's establishing a culture. I was on a, I was on a, a sports feed over in Chicago, and I talked about the Bulls, and I talked about you know going into free agency, and they were this is obviously before the free agency splash had happened, and we were discussing just Chicago as a destination, and I said, listen, man, in this day and age, you can't sell Michael Jordan Chicago to um, these guys in free agency, and and, and to couple that. Most of these young guys that are coming into the league now, they know Michael as a as a Washington Wizard, uh, not as a Chicago Bull. And so, to that point, when you look at the Pacers, what culture are you establishing that you can you can make Indianapolis a selling point at this point? No disrespect to your city, but like I feel like they have a young core. I think acquiring Malcolm Brogdon in the offseason and you know building around a young core with with, with Justin Holiday, who you know knows the Central Division very well. Just adding pieces on, maybe you will grab a name that 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 will make that splash and will make that team whole. So, what do you think is the best way for them to go out and get a name? Is it through the draft? Obviously, free agency is not something that they've been successful in with getting a big name. So, draft or trade? Yeah, I think within the last 10, 15 years, I look at two teams who've been able to to to, to impressively do that. Uh, one most recently is the Utah Jazz. I mean, you drafted Donovan Mitchell. You, you add Mike Conley this offseason. Um, you know, you, you add Moutier, who some thought would be a star, you know, going to the league in Denver and then coming to the Knicks. And I feel like I feel like that 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 Jazz team is a team that has built through drafting, through free agency and just being prudent. You know, you have Rudy Gobert. That's a selling point. I mean, I've heard people in the past say, what black people do you know that want to go to Utah? It's a whole different culture now, you know, and, and they're really wanting to win. So when you look at that Utah Jazz team, they're building their core around Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. You add Mike Conley. Uh, Bojan goes to, you know, with Utah. And then you have guys like Joe Inglis, who's who's the OG. You add Jeff Green this offseason. You add that Davis. Uh, I, I think that same formula would help with the Pacers. Uh, and then more recently, um, you, you look at the um, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, who you know moved from Seattle, went to the went to Oklahoma with Russell, and had you know Kevin Durant, and then you added uh, James Harden. I mean, that was a team that that went to the finals in 2012 against a Miami, a more experienced Miami Heat team. But you really could build up a winning culture like that in Indiana, the same way. I hope so. Trade has always been trading the draft has always been the way for the Pacers, and they've utilized all resources. I think they built a pretty good team but you know we touched on how crazy this offseason really was and with Kawhi going out west the Bucks basically bringing back the same team and the Sixers and Celtics just retooling where do you see the Pacers being able to finish in the east with a healthy Oladipo of course 
I mean, it's going to be interesting because you talked about the Sixers. You talked about the pace or excuse me, the uh, Bucks actually pretty much bringing back their whole cast. Um, you look at Brooklyn, you know, they're out. KD is out likely for the season. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, you, you still have Kyrie who has to prove himself. I think everybody's gung ho about what Brooklyn did this offseason. But Kyrie's got to be healthy. You guys know that from the Central Division during Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Healthy Kyrie is dangerous. You know, so to answer your question, yeah, um, I think that I think that the Sixers and the, and the Bucks are, are are threats. But you know, also in the Eastern Conference, I think uh, a team that may surprise a lot of people is the Knicks. Um, I like their core. I like their core of guys. I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but I like the fact that they added Bobby Portis, a guy that's tough, and you guys know well. Um, I like the fact that, you know, they got to pick an R.J. Barrett. Do I think I do? I think that they're going to be a, a playoff team. I'm not sure. But I but I do think they're going to surprise a lot of people, particularly because the Hornets are going to take a step back this season. Miami is going to be interesting to look at this season. Um, I also think that the Atlanta Hawks are going to do a lot better this season. Playoff team. I don't know. But I do think that when you look at the young teams that are in the Eastern Conference right now, um, a healthy Detroit Pistons team, they started out hot this season or last season, and then they ended up falling to the eighth spot and losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but I think that the most steady teams right now are the Bucks, the Sixers, um, and, and some would bet that the, that the Nets would still do okay. But I do think that there are some teams that are going to fluctuate. I wonder how the Washington Wizards are going to do this season without John Wall, but with a Bradley Bill that's healthy all season. I think that, you know, the Cavaliers are a young team still, but you saw Seti Osman and how he played in the Olympics. Who's to say he won't take that, that, that con- or FIBA rather, who's to say he won't take that confidence into the season uh, and do some damage. So I think that the Eastern Conference is wide open. And while people are probably like, how the hell would he say the Knicks? I know they're in the workings with some of those, the guys are doing in that organization. I definitely don't think they'll win just 12 or 15 or 16 games this season, but I definitely think they could at the very least win 30, 35 games, maybe 40 games this season. Um, but I think that there's room for the Pacers to do well, particularly because they did it uh, without uh, Oladipo last season. Yeah. And I think that, you know, where there's been so many moves that we're all just eager to see how these teams play out. Now, there's always going to be teams that make moves where you think they're going to be great and they always fall short, and vice versa, teams that don't make a ton of moves, but they have a great core that comes back and they overachieve, you know, kind of like Portland did last year. So I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, we might be a little bit too low on the Knicks because they didn't, like, sign bad players. They just signed <laughs> all the same positions. So, you know, I think that's hey, how Think about it. Who's to say that the Raptors are going to the playoffs this year? They lost. They lost. Not only did they lose um, Kawhi Leonard, they lost Danny Green. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know they lost players, but I still think they have a good core there, good <laughs> coaching do. staff. They uh, do, but this is, but this, but again, this is now the Raptors when LeBron was kicking their ass. Yeah, I mean, without DeRozan too, so. But, yeah, but Siakam has become a better player. They still have Marcus Saul, who's a solid veteran. Ibaka, uh, if OG and Anobi's healthy, I think he's a solid com- uh, contributor. And then, of course, Fred Van Vliet last year was so money for them. I think that he could have a huge, you know, growth sure. spurt this year as well. So I mean, I don't want to count the Raptors out of the playoffs because I feel like Toronto's always overlooked sure. anyway by us. <laughs> but, um, sure. but anyway, as far as the Pacers go, my last question for you as we wrap this up is. Where do you think they finish in the standings? Um, I know you said that you think Milwaukee and Philly are probably the top two teams, but 
Where do you see the Pacers falling at if you had to do your prediction? And I'll tell you what. I'll add Boston only because I don't sleep on Cantor. (laughs) Excuse me. And I don't sleep on Kimball Walker. Kimba has something to prove. Yeah. Um, He has something to prove. And I I think that when you look at the the, the Pacers who finished fifth last year, as we mentioned at the beginning, 48 and 34 uh, overall this season, um, I, I definitely could see them. Battling for somewhere between six, between six and eighth. Um, I look at Orlando. I look at the situation with um, them able to uh, maintain Vucevic. I think that the, that the Magic makes the Magic are an interesting case study. Will they maintain with that seventh seed this year? Um, and I and I and I mentioned the Hawks earlier as a team that may surprise a lot of people who are going through a developmental phase. The bottom, the bottom of the NBA's Eastern Conference may look a lot different last season, this past season in comparison to this coming season. Um, and so I think that that bottom part of that team is going to do a lot or of that, that, that standing is going to do a lot better. Some of those teams than they did this past season. And I think that, you know, the Pacers, because they're young, because they do return Victor Oladipo, but they have some other pieces. I do think that they can still be a playoff team, but I envision them somewhere between six and eight. So who are the five teams you have above them? Um, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, um, did I say Brooklyn? Not yet, but I would hold my breath on that one. <laughs> you would? Why would you hold your breath on that? Well, because I don't have Kevin Durant. Did you see what Kyrie did last year in Boston? I mean, come on now. They're, yeah. uh, they're, uh, and they got DeAndre Jordan and, you know, Wilson Chandler suspended. I think that team is just one of those teams that maybe, uh, might be a little bit overhyped. Even with the core that they had last season coming off the bench, because every great playoff team has a good bench. Well, you that's fine, that- but they had D'Angelo Russell, a young player that was their age, kind of playing with them. Now they're going to have Kyrie as their leader, trying to show them how to play the game, and we know what but Kyrie they also, can do. But they also have Karis LeVert. Who well, yeah, but that's fine. You've got to stay healthy. Yeah, but I'll add this. Before D'Angelo Russell came into the fold, they did have Spencer Dinwiddie. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie could legitimately start if Kyrie messes up. And they have a core of a, of a starting five that can still do damage. You still have a Joe Harris who can shoot the lights out. You have Karras who can demand a double team. You still do have um, a Jared Allen who was developing. Um, he, he's not an all-star. But how many teams in the NBA have a center that's actually a center? Well, the Pacers got two. This is true. So, do you do you consider Sabonis and Miles Turner that, or do are you, who are you talking about? Yeah, I, I both are both centers. <laughs> and that whole center debate is something interesting because I think when you look at the NBA draft this year, you look at guys like Bol Bol and you look at guys like um, uh, from USF um, Taco Fall. Ta- Taco Fall. Yep. I think when you look at the two of those guys, Taco Fall is a traditional center, and and Bo Bo is not. He tries to shoot from the perimeter. Yeah. Do you do you think that there is going to be a return of the big man? I don't. I don't. I think that we might. I think Embiid kind of uh, could be the turning point for that. Him and Jokic. I think it'll be a hybrid big that they can do more than that. But I think we'll see more centers involved instead of what the Warriors did with small ball. I mean, because teams are getting bigger now. It feels like. Especially in the East. Yeah, bigger shooting. I mean, you even look at Draymond Green. His his shooting percentage is, is, is interesting to look at. I think that he's going to get a ton of shots this season. Will he make a ton of them? 
we'll see. But I think that, you know, that inside game definitely was 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 a, a turning point with the Warriors uh, kind of pioneering that and small ball in the NBA. But, Scoop, you got one more team to name before the Pacers fall at six. So who's it going to be? Um, Scoop B Radio. No I hate you. Um, <laughs> I don't want to disrespect you guys like that, West saying the Knicks, because the Knicks still have to put it all together. I, I do think that um, – I, I think Orlando was still interesting to me. That I, I, Detroit is interesting to me, but Detroit still got to put it together too. I kind of feel like it doesn't even matter at the top four because at the, at the end of the day, um, I think that you guys getting Brogdon really concerns me with Milwaukee when you look at the top two teams. Right. Philadelphia, this is their chance right now, and I'm not delineating from your question, but um, Philadelphia to me just got that much better adding Al Horford, by the way. Um, yeah. from a from a veteran standpoint, from a mentorship perspective with Embiid, and I think it's a put-up-shut-up year for their head coach. Um, when you look at the, the, the Indiana Pacers, um, I really think that they're, they're – I think depending on um, the health of – screw it. I think that it depends on the health of, of, of a couple of factors and what a couple of teams do um, right before um, training camp and or the season starts. I'll tell you that I, that I put out a report, and I know these pieces to be true as it relates to the Miami Heat uh, chasing uh, the Thunder with, with Chris Paul. I also know that the Miami Heat were interested um, in getting Carmelo Anthony if Chris Paul were to come to Miami. And so I think a situation, I guess I'm putting a placeholder there without embarrassing myself, but if there's a situation where Miami were to get those two guys, I do think that Miami Heat would be an automatic six seed. That's why so I'm you hesitant. you think they'd be above the Pacers? Yeah, that's the only reason why. As I'm saying it, I'm thinking it. But I, I think that I think that, that, that Miami Heat um, are going to do a lot better off than people give them credit for, too. I think the Knicks and the Heat. Um, huh? But I, I mean, think hey. that the Miami but I think the Miami Heat have a better chance because they have Jimmy Butler already in the yeah. pan. We're talking about supposeds with with Chris Paul and, and Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, um, I mean, so I, if the, I like some of the pieces Miami has without adding Chris Paul with Bam Adebayo, those type of players. I mean, they got young guys that I think can develop. I'm not as big on the Knicks. I don't have them making the playoffs. Um, right. I think it's really between Orlando and Detroit for me. Uh, Toronto, I mean, those are all teams that I think will be fighting for six through eight. Um, I personally have the paces around four just because I feel like, you know, this is a team that always gets overlooked every single year. They've got a great coach in Nate McMillan who always seems to find ways to win. It might not be the prettiest way, but they do win games. And, you know, the, the biggest question mark is so many different pieces have been added for me. And I think that's why I'm a little bit hesitant to, you know, just scream it from the top mountaintops that they're just going to be a great team. But I think they've gotten better players. I just think it's going to take time over the season to develop as a team. Well, I like your assessment, sir. All right. Well, it's been fun talking to you. I know that I know that we haven't agreed on everything, which is fun. It makes for a good conversation. And uh, maybe halfway through the season we can come back and look at where all these teams are at and see if any of your predictions about uh, where you see these teams at have come true. Let's do it. All right, Scoop. We appreciate it. All right, Thanks brother. a lot, Scoop. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See Later. you, guys. Scoopy Radio. Overtime. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.